1: can score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity. Some call her the Dabo Sweeney Whisperer. I don't. I call her Grace Rayner from The Athletic, college football reporter, recruiting analyst, and somebody who covered Clemson for a long time. And I loved your piece in The Athletic. If I could just quote from, well, your tweet about it. Is this, uh, must we recalibrate our expectations, it has been, there's a cottage industry of people right now slamming the Clemson Tigers and Dabo Sweeney just because they lost to a good football team on the road in opening week. Uh, or Should we be making more of this than we are?
2: I think when you look at this Clemson team, they needed to come out in the first game of 2023 and have some style points for lack of a better word Mm -hmm. right like we wanted to see this offense make progress obviously it's been a couple a tough couple of years with DJ Uyunglele and Brandon Streeter at quarterback and offensive coordinator and Dabo made a huge statement this offseason by firing Streeter which was a really big move for him he's Mm -hmm. extremely loyal he loves his Clemson guys Um, And so I think we all were looking to see what Clemson's new offense would look like. And then it looked exactly like it did in 2022 and 2021. And so that's where I think the questions are being raised in terms of what is this Clemson team? What, what is the path forward? Where do we view them in terms of the college football landscape right now? Uh, That's not to say they won't get back to the top, but after what we saw Monday night and after what we've seen the last two seasons, I think it's fair to, to sort of, question where are they in this landscape
1: grace rayner from the athletic you can follow her on twitter at gm Raynor. how much of this is about Dabo's very public uh stance against using the transfer portal and how much of it is and maybe it's both how much of it is some misses when it comes to i know a lot of five stars but not all five stars are the same and not all five stars develop the same way It doesn't look like they have the same level of talent, and it hasn't for a few years, just at the wide receiver spot. There was nobody who stretched the field against Duke.
2: Nobody. And I think that that was the most glaring part, right, is when you look at this offense, it has been built on big-time wide receivers go up and get it guys. T. Higgins, Mike Williams, DeAndre Hopkins, Sammy Watkins. Like, the list just goes on and on and on, and this offense doesn't have that and when you look at the wide receivers, they got some pretty big-time recruits. I mean, Adam Randall was a, was a big-time prospect, Bo Collins. These are guys that should be able to do it. And so it does make you – you have to question the development a little bit.
1: All right. So you were, you were talking about the wide receivers, and they haven't quite lived up uh, to expectations. Let me just interject this. Is it possible that the quarterbacks, I know DJ had a great game, by the way, for Oregon State in his debut out West. Um, what a, is, is Cade Klubnick, is he that guy?
0: I think the jury's still out on that, right? Right. Um, I think that that's also fair to question. Just, I mean, yes, we have the wide receivers are under a ton of scrutiny, as they probably should be. Um, but I I think we need to see more from Cade. His sample size is obviously pretty small. He looked great against North Carolina in ACC championship game last year. Big-time prospect out of Texas, played at the highest level in high school football. I think he can do it, but I thought he looked overwhelmed at times. I thought his decision-making was not great against Duke. And I think that we need a little bit more time before we're ready to crown him um, the, the next elite Clemson quarterback.
1: Grace Rayner at GM Rayner on Twitter from The Athletic is joining us here on the Adam Gold Show. Um, and we we also should point out that were a couple of red zone turnovers and maybe a block kick from having a different narrative about the game. We're talking about how Clemson beat Duke. And, I again, I'm the guy who thinks that Duke was going to be better than the nine-win version from last year. The record might not have reflected it, but people will – not that you would ask anybody this, Grace, but I had been predicting a Duke win all summer long uh, wow. cause I, because I legitimately think Duke is good. Now, did I really think, it, would I have bet money on it? No, I don't think I would. Uh, but <laughs> I think Duke is good, and I think Duke showed themselves to be very talented on the defensive line and in the defensive secondary, uh, and their offense is pretty good. And I think Riley Leonard is one of the best quarterbacks in the country, not just the ACC. But with all of that said, I do recognize that this was more about Clemson than it was about Duke. But why do you think Dabo is such a target for everybody? Because I think that Dabo, even though he's kind of old school to a point, maybe to a fault, I think Dabo's a lot of what's good. Yeah, I think
0: he's become, he's just become a lightning rod in college football, right? He's very opinionated and he is, unapologetic in the way he feels about the college football landscape. And one of the things I really respect about him and one of the things I really like about him just from a media standpoint is that you never walk away wondering, I wonder what Dabo Sweeney really thought, or I wonder what, <laughs> right. I wonder what Dabo Sweeney, act, how he actually feels. Um, but that has opened him up to scrutiny. You know, I mean, it's, college football is changing at a rapid pace right now. You know that, we all know that. Mm-hmm. Um there's more opinions than ever, and so he's got his, and, and other people have theirs, and so one of the, one of the downfalls of being so honest is that people are gonna feel like they can pick you apart.
1: All right, before we let Grace Raynor go, and I appreciate your time. Um, in two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, I guess this week and next week uh, should be wins for Clemson. I'm not, I'm not trying to assume anything, but Charleston Southern and Florida Atlantic, Clemson should be two and uh, two and one. When Florida State comes to town, um, how hard or how difficult will it be to not look all the way to that game as that's where Clemson gets redemption?
0: Yeah, I mean, certainly that's the game we all care about, right? Mm-hmm. I know that Dabo behind the scenes will be preaching to his team, you know, don't overlook your next two opponents. But these next two games, I think for all intents and purposes, are cleanup games, sort of get your confidence back, some fix some of those miscues. And then I think in two weeks is when we'll get our next real look at Clemson. I don't think we can take much from these next two weeks. But once Florida State comes to town, that is going to be the next uh, true litmus test, I think, for this Clemson team.
1: Yeah, I don't think you could take things positively out of the next two weeks. You might be able to take some things negatively if it still doesn't look like it's supposed to look. Uh, Real quick, what were your thoughts on Florida State from game one?
0: I thought they looked excellent. Um, you know, we heard so much about this Florida State team in the off season, and there was so much hype, and we were all curious. Okay, can they actually go and do it? And what are they actually going to look like? And Norvell, I think, has used the the transfer portal really well. He's been very smart with the additions there. I think Keon Coleman is a bona fide star. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, you know, they did it against a big time LSU team. That was the most impressive part to me. Is that Florida State didn't go out and stomp a cupcake in week one. They they made a, a pretty powerful statement right from the from the get-go.
1: At GM Raynor on Twitter from The Athletics. She covers college football. She's national now. Uh, and recruiting as well. I appreciate your time, Grace. Uh we'll talk yeah. again. Uh, and thank you. Big game for the Tar Heels coming up on Saturday against App State at Keenan Stadium, hoping that Tez Walker will be able to play. Had his hearing today with the NCAA. This is a final shot, and it's the first time that Tez Walker personally has been in front of the committee. Now, this was done virtually. It was done over a Zoom call, so um, I don't know if that matters or not. I really don't. Uh, But it was the first time he had been able to address the committee with, like, his own, uh, you know, emotions, if you will. Everything else had been done via a portal where he just explains himself. But in this case, they got to actually hear him talk. The word is that he presented his case, his emotions, well. I don't know that we would hear if he didn't, or maybe we shouldn't even expect that he couldn't, but the word is that he did very well. We do not have a, uh, a response from the NCAA yet, which I know it's crazy. What's today, Thursday? five fifteen game, right? So we are 52 hours, roughly from kickoff. Might be good to know how the NCAA feels about that. Because, as I said earlier, if you're going to declare him eligible, I mean, he should have played last week. So, how about, let's not take two games, two significant games, out of Tez Walker's season. Let's, you know, let's let's think about that. So I'm hoping the NCAA, a will grant him eligibility to play and do it, honestly, today. I don't know when they're going to respond. They didn't respond, was it Tamari Fox last year? They took like a month before they said, eh, no. Mm. So, I mean, just get to it. Let the kid play. Um, but as I pointed out earlier, and we talked about it yesterday, And if you want to read a really good piece about it, I I I retweeted it last night or yesterday afternoon. Greg Barnes' piece from Inside Carolina does a great job explaining it, and it left me being pessimistic, to be perfectly honest. But this is where I believe this is what I would call I would put into the category of a fairly written article. I mean, tons of information about how this whole thing played, uh, played out. Timeline, responses, all of that. He has documentation, and the way it's presented. First of all, I think it just gives Greg a ton of credibility as a reporter on this, because it would be very easy to 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 forget things. And a lot of the reporting we have seen about Tez Walker has omitted certain things from the equation. This does not omit anything that at least I know. Um, But the NCAA never viewed Tez Walker's departure from Central to go to Kent State. They never viewed that as, well, he wasn't going to play at Central because of the pandemic. Therefore, uh, we don't really count that as a transfer. Because they said that his situation was not unique. I don't know. I don't know if it was unique or not. I don't even know if that's the right way to put it. But at the time that Tez Walker left NC Central, it was after spring practice, he was under the impression, a lot of people were under the impression that the MIAC was going to play football in the spring that year. That was the pandemic year after they shut it down in the fall of twenty twenty. Because a lot of a lot of conferences didn't want to play. I mean, the the ones that make a lot of money from TV, they played because they needed some money coming in. The networks needed money. But Tez Walker decided not to take the chance that the MIAC wouldn't come back in the fall of twenty one. He didn't want to lose, ultimately, three college seasons because that's what it would have been. Remember, he was supposed to go to East Tennessee State right out of high school as a Charlotte area kid. He was supposed to go to East Tennessee State, but he got hurt his senior year. East Tennessee State wanted him to gray shirt, and ultimately, they moved on and he moved on. He ended up enrolling the following year at Central. Then the pandemic came, and then he wasn't sure they were going to play the next year in the fall. So he went to Kent State. So that's where his football career started. So it really should be, in my opinion, his first transfer, which we were not we would not be having any discussion. But he recognized that he would be considered a second transfer when he got to Carolina. Then the rules changed. and all of the reasons that they were that the NCAA in the past, had allowed players to transfer even a second time and become eligible automatically. Your coach leaving close to home, these types of things no longer matter. And that's tough when you were, when you were initially transferred and thought they that they would matter, but they don't. So we have to find, we have to wait until the NCAA says something today. Uh, but, but, I encourage you to read that article. It's really well done and thorough. And again, I came out of it less optimistic than I was before. But maybe the emotions of the day will get them. And I hope Tez Walker can play against App on Saturday. But if he's going to be declared eligible by the NCAA, let's just do it. I mean, what else do you need? I mean, the committee that he spoke two is the committee that will make the decision that determination. They don't have to report back. We should just get an answer. And probably we probably should have already gotten an answer, but uh that's not the way the NCAA works. All right, I'll leave that alone. Uh we've got that's an important football game, the Wolfpack and Notre Dame are playing tomorrow uh, or rather on some it's not Friday yet, right, Graham? No, it is not. I wish right. it was you and me both. Uh, they're playing Saturday at noon at Carter Finley Stadium. I keep thinking about what I saw last Thursday night, a week ago tonight. I saw NC State struggle a little bit to stop Connecticut's run game. I saw NC State struggle a little bit to create their own run game. Now their own running game was okay. It wasn't great. It Was okay. It's mostly Brennan Armstrong. Right. Well, it was mostly Armstrong scrambling. Right. It wasn't. A lot of design runs for Armstrong it was mostly Armstrong buying time, making plays with his legs, a bunch of third downs that he was able to convert out of the pocket. But my biggest takeaway was, as I'm watching the game going because I had already watched Notre Dame the weekend, weekend before in Ireland, run the ball straight ahead on Navy. And I'm not saying that Navy is a great defensive front. And I saw Connecticut have success a lot running the ball. I think Connecticut averaged over six yards a carry in the game. Now, they obviously didn't stay with it for whatever reasons, and State's defense made a lot of plays throughout. Uh, The passing game was not there. Makes you wonder why they didn't just run it all the time. They also had that 20, what, that 70-yard touchdown run, which, of course, impacts... The overall average. But they had success a lot running the ball. And all I could think of last Thursday night was, "Who Notre Dame's going to run straight ahead. Yeah. Right? Uh, Estime is dynamite. He is a load running the football. Sam Hartman is an elite quarterback that if you're the Irish, you're going to run, you're going to run, you're going to run, you're going to play action pass. That's just the way I would do it. If I were them, I know that's pretty basic, but that's what I, I would run the ball until State stopped it. And then I would let Sam Hartman make plays off that. But State's got a great defense, and hopefully they'll be better than they were against Connecticut, especially uh, in the early going of that game. Connecticut went right right down the field their first drive, which was concerning. But we'll see how uh, the Irish play it, and we'll see how the Wolfpack defend it. Uh, Duke's got a, basically a bye week against Lafayette at six o'clock on, uh, on the computer. Uh, and Wake has a morning game against Vanderbilt. Big game for, uh, for Wake. That's, I mean, you gotta, cause I didn't think they were great against Elon. They, they were, started off good. First yeah, half, they you thought good. the game might've been over. They but. were good in the first half, but I don't, I still don't even think they were great in the first half. I mean, Wake... Wake has changed the way we look at Wake. I think I, we, we I, I expect Wake to be really good. Dave Claus has done a good job of setting a certain standard there over the last couple of seasons. That, that's that's exactly competing for right. divisional titles, which don't no no longer exist. Yeah, right. Can't do that anymore. But still, and actually, they weren't really competing for division titles when Clemson was doing Clemson things a couple of years ago. Obviously, it was different um but the uh but they were just so uh in the second half that I think this week is a big week for Wake Forest. Um and then you've got, you know, it's a big week for App, East Carolina's got to bounce back. I I know Michigan is what Michigan is, but Pirates still didn't get anything done offensively. You had the one opportunity early, right? After you pin Michigan deep, and then you start the next possession in plus territory, and you did nothing with it. So they have to they have to be better. Um I still think they could have a good season. But anyway, that's the that's our college football uh weekend coming up, but I hope Tez Walker will be a part of it. Help you fix your home up.
2: We are the Designery North Raleigh, located at 3030 Wake Forest Road in the Holly Park
1: Plaza. We would love to see you or visit our website at thedesignery.com.